Hey guys, it's Renee from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. On this podcast, we are joined by our very own Angela Hill to talk UFC 54 and her performance there, as well as from NHL Network, NHL on TNT, and from WWE, Jackie Redman. Let's get down to it with the ladies. Part of the Sirius XM fam, absolute vet in this game, fresh off of her bout in strawweight division, Angela Hill joining us. Ange, how you doing, girl? Okay. Um, I, you know, I could be better, <laughs> but I'm okay. Uh, physically, I'm fine. Uh, I got a little, little tiny, tiny black eye. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of those fights where you're just like, man, it, it sucks because you, I didn't get hurt at all. Um, none of the submissions were like close to the point where they would like hurt me and get me out of the, out of training and stuff. So I actually just trained today and. I think I'm feeling a little better after training. <laughs> Just there was a moment finally where I wasn't thinking of everything I could have done better. And uh, yeah, that always helps. Have you watched the fight back yet? Do you jump right on that right away or do you give yourself a little breather? I think it depends on what happens. Like, uh, if I just felt like I got smoked, then sometimes it's a little hard for me to pick it, pick up the fight and watch it. I think because there were so many weird scrambles, I wanted to look at it right away just so I could remember what I was thinking and feeling and compare it to what it looked like in there. And uh, so right after the fight, we got back to the hotel and me and my, my corner all watched the fight and kind of went over it and what areas I could have won position and what areas I hesitated. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't hard just because it was one of those weird fights where there were a lot of little moments I could have taken advantage of. And I just, I just wasn't able to for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, look, I, I know having a loss is never, it's never fun. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not the morning you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, you know, it's like you wanted that win. But I will say, I think that some losses are a little bit easier to stomach than others. I hope this is an easier one for you to stomach in just the fact that I thought your grappling exchanges looked phenomenal. They were phenomenal. Like you have improved so much in that area, you know, coming from like a striking background, you even getting a takedown at one point. Um, and it's not an easy thing to do uh, against Varroa, uh, if I'm going to say her name incorrectly <laughs> now. How do you say it? I don't care. Name. I know, right? <laughs> we don't care. She <laughs> <is too laughs> how, <laughs> shall not be named. But no, the grappling exchanges looked really good. And honestly, you, you moved really well. You stayed in great position. The knee on the face was beautiful when there was an armbar attempt. You know, the leg attempts, all those things. I thought you battled them really, really well. Um, so I think that there's a lot of positivity that can be taken away from that. And I hope that you're giving yourself the grace to absorb that. Um, and, and I just want to ask, you know, you, you've had, what, four split decision losses, is it right, in your career? Like um, one of the most? Yeah, I think, is it four or five? It might be, it's one of those. Yeah, It's crazy. A lot of those, I think, arguably, you could have won. But um, does it it feel any better when you have a fight like this, though? Like, do you feel, is there a difference in that when you see some things that you actually did really well? And it's like, okay, you know, I lost in this position or whatever, but these are things that I've improved on. This is where I've been working hard on. Like, did you see that in this fight? Like, are you still proud of some of the great improvements you were able to make? I think the only reason a fight like this is hard to take or harder to take is because of those splits 
that I felt yeah. like, you know, you so so now it accumulates. And now it's like, if you look at my last five fights, um, it doesn't tell the whole story when you're just yeah. looking at wins and losses. So that's the only hard part. But it does feel good that, like, I was able to keep keep the keep myself in the game I was able to you know when when the version of me a year ago would have probably tapped to that knee bar or tapped to the arm bar um now I know like if if something happens if something crazy happens on the ground against a specialist I'm not gonna just be done you know I'm not gonna be that's not it and I know a lot of times when um when I have a certain matchup it's like okay if it goes to the ground that's it she's done so that was that was um, a really, I guess, the a, a positive out of a negative, you know, like, yeah, I didn't get the win. Um, I didn't I wasn't able to do that, but at least I was able to show like a lot of grit on the ground and get some more respect for for my ground game. And, you know, that that was what I really was hoping that I was going to be able to do is just make this transition from being just a striker to a grappler. So or not a grappler, but an MMA fighter. So you say yeah. that my grappling looked looked really good is like uh got me a little teary-eyed because i'm like yay if misha it says did. it yeah even out of that knee bar i mean at one point that looked like it was like ooh, that was like it looked like it was going to be deep and you just rotated perfectly like your timing on it was executed really well and that's just something that i feel like you and i are both veterans of the sport so that's something i enjoy seeing i don't base it so much off of win and loss i like to look at how people are evolving and how are they continuing to get better in the sport And I feel like I've tried so hard in the striking department, you know, completely opposite of you. And I I lost that last fight against Ketlin Vieira. You know, it was a narrow loss, but it's like, okay, you still lost. But I stood for five rounds and for the first time in my career, I didn't feel desperate for a takedown. It's like I knew I could hang there, you know? Okay, so I didn't get the win, but it's like I can... I can be there. Like I can stay there. I can be there and I can do that. And I, I feel like there was something similarly that that could be said about you in this last fight. It was like you were going against somebody who was a specialist on the ground, a black belt. And it's like you were there and you hung in and you overcame and you got position at times and you kept your cool and, and um, you didn't get submitted and, and you looked really good and, and all those great exchanges. So I think you should hold your head high. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, and I got to give a little credit to my corner on the knee bar for me keeping my cool. Because at first, when she started locking up my leg, I was like, oh, shit. And then my corner was super, super calm. They're like, control the wrist. Start working your leg out. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm not in as much danger as I think. I am. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's another thing that I feel really happy about was just um, I I haven't really talked about it as much, but I finally started talking about leaving leaving um, my gem Alliance MMA, and uh, you know it's it's really scary just jumping off and and leaving your comfort zone and working yeah. with uh, some new people, and I finally feel like I have a good team, you know that works behind me. You know, I had a good team with Alliance, but you know, when I wanted to change, there's that transition period where you're bringing in, you're trying out new cornermen, you're, you're trying out new methods of training. And I feel like I finally have a good, um, a good, what do you call it? Routine right now. I'm getting enough. Uh, I'm, I'm making 
a lot of improvements and I'm working on the things I want to work on. So I was happy about that too. Just uh, it's two fights in a row where I had the same corner now and I felt really good in both of those fights. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, that's a, a big part of it as well. Yeah, definitely. Guys, we are joined here by Angela Hill. Uh, Angela, hearing the stat that you are the first UFC fighter to compete 20 times in the strawweight division, how does it feel to hear that fact? And just to like look at your career of all the things you've been able to do, looking ahead, and like we've just been saying as well, is like the, the ability to adapt and to grow and to change. Just talk to us a little bit about like your, your love of the sport and your love of like wanting to continue this pursuit. Um, well, it's funny because like uh, I, I was definitely surprised that I hit that number. Um, <laughs> they all kind of blend together. Um, and I definitely wish there were more wins in, in that group of 20, but it's, uh, I think it, it speaks to just my style and, and the fact that I don't take that much damage when I fight, I usually come out pretty, pretty clean. I usually don't get, uh, don't get hurt. I think the last, my last fight was the first time I got dropped. So I think I, I just have the ability to take that many fights. You know, I don't, I don't need as much recovery time. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not like, I'm just like on the smaller end. So I don't need like a ton of time to cut weight or anything. So I'm just an opportunist. Like I'm just, I'm just in there trying to make as much money as I can and, and trying to win as many fights as I can. And unfortunately, like I've been really unlucky just with, with matchups and with decisions and with, uh, you know, just being, being in the wrong fight at the wrong time in my career. There's, there's just been a lot of ups and downs in my career. And, and I think, uh, I don't know if, if anything, I definitely feel comfortable when I'm going up against someone who isn't a veteran, who isn't, hasn't been in there as much as me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it'd be great if I could keep it going. Like, I feel like I could fight forever. It's just a, a matter of like getting that streak and getting people wanting to see it. So uh, I just, I just hope that that continues like a fight like that. That's, I think that's the other thing, like a fight like that. I, I, I wish it was on the, in, on the feet a little longer because I felt like those are the most exciting moments. And, you know, I just got to keep working on that uh, grappling defense, keep working on my offense as well and, and be more confident going for takedowns because like Misha said, I got that takedown in the first. And for some reason I was, I was too nervous to keep going for it. So I think, um, I think if, if, when I just continuing down the road, I feel like I'm just going to, I don't know, just keep trying to have fun out there and, and enjoy the ride. Certainly. I mean, you're also a fighter that's known for taking like short notice fights, sometimes not even having the full fight camp. How different is that for you? uh, I guess mentally on both sides of that, if you are taking the short notice fights and instead of having the full fight camp. I don't know, man. I like, sometimes I feel like fight camps like screw me up (laughs) because I'm thinking about this one chick for so long and I'm picturing Verna's face for for a good two months and by the time fight we get there I'm like I'm just ready to get it over with and short notice almost feels like a vacation like I'm training I usually train um throughout the year so if I get a short notice fight I might not have the same cardio but 
for me, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna make some money this week, you know, as opposed to yeah. investing months and months of my life into this one night. Um, so that that's always been the struggle too, mentally, just trying to trying to have the same excitement for um, for a, a fight camp as I do for a short notice fight. But um, no, I think I think next time I'll just tell my coaches not to tell me about them until two weeks from the fight. <laughs> and <laughs> the media is calling details. you I'm up like, hey, train. and you're like, oh, I didn't even know I was fighting. I just, okay, yeah. here we go. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Um, I want to ask you a little bit about that as a veteran of the sport and saying, you know, wrong fights, wrong time, wrong, wrong fights at the wrong time and this and that. And now you have this fight. Like, is there anything you would do different? I hate to always use the word, you know, use the word regrets because I don't, I don't typically think that we should live in in a frame of mind like, oh, that's a regret, you know, maybe, but, but reflecting, you're like, maybe there's some advice that we're like young up and coming women in their careers. I mean, I think there's some crossover, right? And you do a lot of other things. I mean, you're a fellow host on, on Sirius XM. I mean, you've got a lot of things going for you outside of fighting, but just like being mindful of maybe when to do what, or I don't know, do you have any unique advice that maybe you would pass along as you talk about these things that like, oh, it just wasn't the right time for me? Like, do you look back on any of those and you would have done anything different? What, what's kind of your insight on that? Um, I, I always uh, tell, tell girls who are kind of uh, starting out just to get as much competition experience as they can, because it's a totally different feel from training in the gym is a yeah. totally different feel from, uh, you know, beating up your friends, like going, yeah. going out and trying to win, win something, win, like, uh, oh, get a win on your record or get money or anything like that. So when, uh, when I say that, it's like, if you're a striker, try to have as much experience in that as possible, but also get as much grappling experience as possible. And uh, if they're really young, to join a wrestling team because that's like a lot of people start off with an advantage like yourself yeah. <laughs> because I feel like wrestling is just such a unique thing that's hard to learn as an adult it's like um it's like trying to find a gymnastics class as an adult like you can't yeah. find it yeah you yeah. know yeah. um so I, yeah I feel like uh wrestling is the same thing um and then being able to put it all together, but not rush to put it all together, like get really good at two or three different styles and then start learning MMA and then start, you know, having amateur fights and putting all the pieces together because you don't have to rush to like, don't ever do this move in MMA because this, this or this can happen. I feel like it's good to be an expert in one or two fields before you start transitioning, because then you can start making things up once you get to the level where you understand all the, all the consequences. Um, So that's the only advice I would get. I felt like I, I did pretty good job of um getting a bunch of striking experience before I went pro in MMA but uh I had zero grappling I had about a year of of working with a wrestling coach before I got on tough and it showed (laughs) you know so um, so it was I learned the hard way and I don't regret it because you never know where my path could have gone if I didn't 
try to get on top my first after my first pro MMA fight like I might not have ever made it to the UFC um yeah. I might have lost really badly to someone outside of the UFC and then quit you know so I never I don't regret it but if you already have the motivation to to be the best in the world and become UFC champion like you gotta you gotta uh start with those little annoying things like uh you know, just grinding in the ground game, grinding on the striking, doing all the all the annoying basics over and over again until you feel like you could teach it yourself. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah I think so well, too. What's interesting is um they teach wrestling different to adults too. Like then I remember learning it in mm-hmm. high school. I started in high school, but they teach it different. Like the, the adults class is like you think kids don't have attention spans? It's like the adults don't want to learn like the not cool shit. I'm like, you can yeah. see yeah. drill it like one thousand and one times, like over and over and over and over again. You don't need to be learning how to do like a Uchimata this, that, whatever, da da da. Like, no. You need to learn how to have head positioning. You need to learn like just that basic and even me, like I have to like I got to get back to my roots. Like I got to, I got to like, you know, remember the fundamentals. Cause like, that's really what wins you this wins you in the end. It's not all the cool fancy stuff or, you know, tricks, this and that. It's like, Nope. Back to basics. Yeah, man. My, I think basics. my best punch I landed was a jab <laughs> in this fight. So it was like, like my jab spun her around. I'm like, Oh, it was oh great. that worked. You know, so it was like <laughs> basics. Basic that you got to lean on. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> Well, Ange, thanks so much for hopping on with us. We love you. I think you're an absolute badass. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll have you back on soon and enjoy a little downtime. I will. I will. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, included in most subscriptions. We are joined currently by the one, the only, my gal pal from NHL Network, NHL on TNT, from WWE, Jackie Redmond. Hey, girl. Hi. I'm so pumped to hang out with you guys. I honestly was a little nervous hopping on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. How about us giving you a... No. Wanted to give you a little Eminem coming in. Was that the right call to play a little Eminem? I wasn't sure if that was for me because I didn't want to be too like everything's about me. But I was like, is the Eminem for me? I hope so. Uh, obviously, I love it. Uh, M&M's I have done for you. that exact track so many times at karaoke bars. It's embarrassing at this point, but whatever. <laughs> How are you feeling? You have got to be the busiest person on the planet right now between covering what seems like a million games sevens going on in the NHL to your duties with WWE. I mean, you are a busy woman last from last night, even with Rangers and Penguins. Do you sleep? Uh, I did today. Like today I treated myself to a nice little sleep in session, but, um, yeah, it's been wild. The first round is always crazy, but to actually be involved in it, um, in game as a reporter for the first time ever, like this year's the first time I've done that has been so cool, huge learning experience, but unbelievable to be in the mix of like the chaos of it all. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm exhausted, but I, I loved every second of it. It was a hell of like 
game seven overtime is what you dream about when you're a kid in the streets. You're like, that's yes. the game that you want to be in. The only thing better than that is like game seven overtime Stanley Cup final. <laughs> yes. How different is that though? Like being right there in the mix, doing more of like that reporter rinkside. How different of a feel is that for you? And like, how do you kind of get your footing doing that? I mean, when you go from doing studio work, and I know you're so well-versed, you've done a million different things, but to now be in this new role, how do you like prep for that? How different is it? It's so different. And I didn't realize how different it would be until I was actually in it. Like, I know the game. I've covered hockey for years. I grew up playing it and watching it. So, like, knowing the game is not a problem for me. But when you put yourself into a role that you've never done in your basically your entire career, it's a whole different game it's like i felt like a rookie all over again and i just have to say like coming up with intermission interviews i know we all questions for intermission interviews i know we always say like oh those things are worthless no one ever says anything which is still true but coming up with questions is hard like you're watching the game you're in the thick of the game things are constantly changing and then it's like oh here's who you're interviewing come up with two questions and like go do it and you're just like ah so I was wondering that last night, because seeing you during the intermission and then seeing you at the end of the game as well, it's really like that fine line of like, all right, I got to ask you like the legit hockey question, but also can we get a little personality out of the player as well, which is like really tricky when you have no time. It feels like yeah. two seconds go by in that segment and it's really hard to, to achieve both goals. Yeah, like usually they want those, especially in the intermissions, to be 45 seconds, like two questions if you're lucky. And for me, like I am not capable of not trying to have fun. Like I am just not capable of asking straightforward questions all the time. I've learned that. Um, and that's not always the best, but I just think it's who I am. But being in there in the thick of it, everything's happening so fast. I mean, Mika Zibanejad after the game yesterday, it's okay, this is who you're getting. Um, you have 45 seconds. The crowd is screaming. I'm wearing a mask because those are the rules and I'm totally fine with it. But I said to him right before, I was like, I'm going to yell at you because I don't <laughs> know if you're going to be able to hear me. And for people at home, they're probably like, why is this chick screaming? And it's like, well, he has to hear the question in order to answer it. So uh, it's just like a crazy, wild adrenaline rush. But I, I've really loved the challenge of it and doing something different. I'm sure both of you um, have felt that way, too, after doing one thing for so long to sort of shift to something else and be like, whoa, this is totally different. I'm definitely learning. This is a challenge. But at least I'm like feeling that nervousness and adrenaline yeah. rush again. Sometimes sort of goes away a little bit once you're comfortable doing something yes. that you've done for a really long time. So I'm trying to embrace that. Um, that's like my whole mantra is like, yeah. listen, you're not just going to be like really good at new things right away. So you just yeah. have to no, it's good it. to remind yourself that because it can be yeah. a, a little bit of a slippery slope when you are like in your groove and like good at your thing. And then you're like, OK, let's I'll try this new thing. And you're like, oh, can I go back to doing the other thing? I know how to do that. It can feel like <laughs> such a panic. I, I, I <laughs> 
Like, why did I add more to my plate? I always kick myself for doing that, but I can't help it. I'm just addicted to like, just that, you know, exactly getting a little uncomfortable. It's what keeps things fun and interesting, even though I'm like, why did you have to do that? Misha, I'm always kicking myself for it afterwards. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about sporting environments. Um, I'm sure nothing compares to the atmosphere of a WrestleMania, but game sevens can obviously deliver some really exciting moments too. So I don't know, like, how would you compare and contrast, you know, being at WrestleMania and being at Game 7s and, and what all you think of that? Well, I'll say based on the series that I just did, there are actually some really fun um, similarities. Like, Pittsburgh's crowd felt like a wrestling crowd when I was there. Like, Games 3 and 4 were wild. And I, I, I got, like, sort of the wrestling connection because – Igor Shosturkin was in net for the Rangers in those games, and he didn't play very, as well as he has this season. He ends up getting pulled, and the crowd, after they put the backup goalie in, is chanting, we want Igor. Like, Igor just got taken out of the game, and they are chanting ruthlessly, like, no, no, give us the other guy, because he's not playing well like so they're just chanting we want Igor and I was like oh my gosh this crowd is relentless like I feel Damn. so bad for this guy right now but for me the crowd in Pittsburgh I was like this is like this is like a wrestling crowd in here I feel like because they just did not hold back at all and part of that stemmed from you know in the regular season the last game those two teams played against each other Igor Shosturkin shut them out and he like waved to them as he was going off the ice and so like, those elements of hockey they're very similar to some of the elements that we see um, in WWE. So like that sort of stuff, I'm all for like, people were so upset that Igor waved them off the ice and they're like, he deserves these chants for that. I'm like, nah, he, I hope he waves them off again. Like I, I would, if he had done that last night, I would have thought it was the best thing ever. I would have been like, yes. Like, we love a good heel move. Yes, like you embrace it. Like it's, it's just hockey, you know? <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to ask you another wrestling question quickly because this was your first WrestleMania that you were at. What was that experience like for you to just be like completely submerged in that world on what was like a really killer two days of WrestleMania? Oh my gosh, it's so crazy because... I, as you know, like I covered wrestling when you left Canada and then I haven't covered wrestling for five years or whatever it's been before this season. And then to come in and to have that WrestleMania be my first WrestleMania with the company felt almost like fate, which is <laughs> so cheesy. <laughs> But because for me, like my first introduction to wrestling was the era of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like that was the height of, you know, for me, the golden era of WWE. That was my age bracket. So for me, I was like, wow, like I know all about this guy. He is the center of this entire weekend. And so to be there for that was really, really cool. But just from a from a production standpoint, like I had been to WrestleManias before, but never as an employee of WWE. So to be backstage and see everything that goes into that show, like I just have a whole new level of respect for all of the people that work on it. Like all of the producers yeah. and writers and like the wrestlers, everything that they do, it's just such a massive, massive undertaking and i i knew that but i don't think i fully understood it until i actually witnessed how many people it takes to put that thing on like it's crazy 
I remember feeling the exact same way when I started, like I was working for WWE, but I wasn't on the road with WWE. And then once I started going on the road, I was like, whoa, I'm in like the belly of the beast, how this <laughs> thing operates and the shows are changing and wrestlers are running around and everyone's oiling themselves up and wetting their hair and the scripts are changing. And it's fascinating. Like, it's so cool to see how all, like all of these things are dependent upon each other to work and to operate. And yeah, I mean, you talk about the wrestlers, like it always blew my mind how like you would see someone go out and do like, you know, a 15, 20 minute match and then have to do a promo after that. And it's like, how does your brain work? Like it's, yeah. it's so impressive. I was always so impressed by that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel like you going back for that WrestleMania and that being like your first one being there, would it be like a, a certain level or level of comfortability because you're like, okay, I know Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, this This is the conversation. I will tell you, though, like being back there and like, you know, catering just this like big open area. And I'm new. I don't know. I know like four people. And so I'm just like tucked at a table. I had like one thing to do. So like I am not important right now. I'm just going to like drink my coffee and hang out. But to see like Stone Cold Steve Austin walking around was so weird. And I just wanted to meet him so bad. But I didn't want to be like, oh, like I'm new here. I can't just go up to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I remember sitting at a table with Dewdrop and she was nervous. She was like, I, I don't oh. want to go. And I was like, you, you can go over there. Like you're a wrestler. Like you, like that's an automatic. Like you get a movie. So then she did. And I watched her do her thing and she was so excited. It was, and she's also, by the way, the nicest person ever. She's amazing. Uh, just an absolute sweetheart. And yeah. um, so I'm sitting there, I watch her do it. And then, you know, Kevin Patrick, the, the beauty that he is was like, all right, I'm going to go meet him. So just come with, just come with me. I'll just make it happen. <laughs> a group so effort. We went over and, and, um, and he was awesome and and so down to earth and and he was like I wasn't sure at first if we if we had the crowd I couldn't really tell I was like what uh, and he, he sticks in there and he's like but then you know once we got into it I knew but at the beginning I was kind of like I wonder how this is going <laughs> so funny it's so funny it's the best um okay moving things back over to hockey how do you not just be a total Leafs homer all the time Renee, you follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I, I am a total homer. Like I, I don't hold it back at all. And you know, some people hate me for that, but like that's fine. I, I have spent my whole career just like being who I am and trying to be genuine for better or worse. So I used to have this this debate all the time at Sportsnet with Brennan Dunlop, um, who I used to co-anchor the highlight desk with because I would just openly say on the air, like I didn't know soccer. I'd be like, Oh, it's the soccer block. Like here's the highlight. Here you go, Your time yeah. to shine, like take it. And he would always be like, why do you do that? Like, you know, then like, what about your credibility? And I, I was always like, well, for me, I feel like I'm enhancing my credibility by saying like, I don't know a lot about soccer. So why not own that? And just be like, that's just not my, it's not my cup. So um, to bring it back to the Leafs, like I've just owned that and NHL Network has never had an issue with it. So I just let that that Leaf flag fly for better or worse. <laughs> Although when they lose though, because people that watch the show, like I hear it when they lose. Like people just oh, go. But like whatever. You must have been getting it Saturday night, huh? Yeah. But I will say like when I'm covering, if we're talking about the game, 
like having a serious conversation with about our thoughts on the game or what we think of, of a player or whatever. Like I don't let my fandom get in the way of that. Um, so I can be critical of them. And I would say I'm actually harder on them than most people who are objective because I care so much. About them. <laughs> I just care too much. Um, yeah. Okay. So Stanley cup, what are we thinking now? How are you feeling uh, heading into the second round as that's looming? Uh, the Battle of Alberta about to be going down. Like, it's getting pretty crazy. It's the first round was wild. I originally, <laughs> and people will hurt me for this, so that's fine. I originally had Colorado over Toronto in the Stanley Cup final, but the Leafs, you know, once again lose in the first round. So we're, we're still nursing that heartbreak over here. But I still <laughs> like, like Colorado is still my favorite. And I think we'll learn a lot about Colorado in the second round just because you know, Nashville didn't have their number one goaltender, who is a huge part of their team. And so I would have still taken Colorado, but that series is a tough one to really measure, you know, Colorado by because it wasn't really an even matchup. I think the second round presents a way, way bigger challenge for the Avs. Um, we'll see if they can do it. I still think that, that they're the favorite to win the cup. I think Nathan McKinnon, um, you know, will do whatever it takes to make sure that this team wins. Um, he had one of my favorite quotes last year when they lost. He was like, I've been in this league nine years and I haven't won shit. So, I don't really, <laughs> you know, like... So, like, because they were talking about, oh, like, you know, do you feel like you've progressed and, you know, what's your takeaway this year? This is last year. And he was just like, yeah. I haven't won shit. Like, nothing else really matters. So I think Colorado and the West is still my favorite. The East is, has been interesting from the beginning because they had eight yeah. teams over 100 points. That's wild for all eight yeah. teams to have 100-point seasons. I think Carolina looks really good. They looked really solid against the Boston Bruins. I think they're a team to be reckoned with. And this might be my Toronto bias creeping in, but I think Tampa looked really good in the first round. Like Tampa showed they that sure did. they are still the defending champs and they can still get the job done. Even when they blow two goal leads, even when they're not playing their best, even when Vasilevsky still get has it done. 85 save percentage, like they just know how to win. And so I'll, I'll be curious. The battle of Florida is going to be. Yes. I know I was really pissed when I had a few friends being like is Florida a hockey state I'm like everyone relax everyone just needs to calm down a little bit but with reason I mean you got back-to-back -back cups for Tampa Bay so imagine they did it thrice well that'd be that like the first insane. they would be a modern day dynasty like we haven't seen yeah. a team win the cup three times in a row in 40 years like it hasn't happened since the 80s. So, it, I mean, oh, they wow. have the, something to rally behind and motivate themselves. Like we would be the best team in decades in, in the league. It, and it's hard not to root for that at this point, right? It's like, shit, why not? Let's lean into that. I mean, I love the Panthers though too. And they're like, the Panthers are really good. So that that's going to be an insane series. That and Battle of Alberta are like must-see television. I'm so excited for all of this. It's nothing like playoff hockey, and, and I'm be, jealous be like that you get to be there covering it. Between the Panthers and the Bolts, too. Like, they don't like each other. <laughs> I love it. Well, I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to um, see more of you on TV talking a little hockey and also just following your tweets because – you have all the great stats. You really have a good you, – you keep me on the ball. I'm like, what's happening? Jackie's got it. Finger uh, on the pulse. I dig well, it. You're the best, and the, the love is mutual. And I'll, we'll have to we'll have to do – I'm not doing the second round for Turner, so I'm, I'm a little bit more, you know, 
able to sort of chat during the game. So we should do some some Great. Instagram calls or something. And just we can get a little Jack and Pack like, back in. the action's happening, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm down. <laughs> I am down. Well, Jack, thanks for jumping on with us. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what else is going to happen the rest of the NHL season. Let's get uh, the, the cup finals. Who's going to be there? Yeah, oh we didn't God. even we didn't get into the fact that your your Golden Knights fired their coach today. I don't want to so. talk about it. We don't <laughs> need to talk about it. It's been a rough season for the Golden Knights. Not really going in their favor. It's a rebuilding season. Yeah, yeah. You just regroup for next year. But I've had a blast yeah. chatting with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Misha, you're such a badass. Um, so so cool Thank to hang you. out with you on here. And Renee, you know, I'm, I'm like your number one fan, like big fan. Love you, girl. girl. Love it. Love you, girl. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the SiriusXM podcast network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.